0: The GMs, episode 21, Masks of Narlathotep, intro postmortem. Good evening. This is Zach from Ask the GMs podcast, welcoming you, and I hope you're having a great evening. We're going to talk about a legendary campaign, passing it over to RC.
1: Howdy, folks. Uh, we just got to jump right into this one, and um, I was playing uh, Benjamin Blanc, the hypnotist. Passing it on to
2: Brian. Everybody, uh, this is Brian, still aspiring GM. I am playing uh, John Montana. And um, yeah, I I guess this is my indie character, so
0: knock off Indiana Jones.
2: Without the whip, though. So there's
0: that. Oh, Um, oh, no, no, We, we gave you skill and whip.
2: Oh, you gave me whip? Dope. Thank you so much. Um, Fantastic. And uh, I will pass it off to our uh,
3: newest uh, caster, Sean. Hi. Yeah, I'm playing Amun Yates, the half-English, half-Egyptian, and antiquitarian in the campaign.
0: Thank you. You want to give us a little bit about you, like in terms of your experiences as a a gamer, RPG, or etc.?
3: Well, um, let's see. I started... Game mastering and playing um forty-two years ago. And been doing it ever since. Never took a break from it. And I don't think I'd know what to do if I didn't have gaming around.
0: Thank you. And tonight we're talking about masks of Narlothhotep. I'm gonna read a quick quote. Considered by many the worn piece of role-playing, masks of Narlathotep changed in the way which role-playing campaigns were designed. Coupled complex and nonlinear plot with such an incredible amount of historical detail and innovation that made an experience playing an absolute delight and life changing experience. So, this is one of the notorious, like, greatest, you know, the GOAT, the greatest of all time role playing campaigns ever. What is everyone's initial opinions, initial thoughts of what you've seen so far? Just let me know. Throw it over to RC. I thought that
1: this they had a great amount of detail even within like the first couple of minutes of it. I know that we used, what was the, um, that introduction adventure we did for everybody?
0: We did Edge of Darkness.
1: Where uh, we, we dipped our toes into the paranormal and all of us went a little bit bonkers before things began. Um, and then we started doing the,
0: is it the Peru
1: part of the expedition?
0: That is correct. That is the Peru section. It is the newest section of the updated Mask of Lotep, which would be the 5th edition printing for 7th edition Call of Cthulhu.
1: And it, it's a really good introduction for what's to come in Mask. Um, and then immediately after that, you get a really great bunch of exposition to work with to know what's going on up in the future. Uh, passing it off to Brian.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean first and foremost, before even playing Masks or the uh the intro that we played, like I've heard great things. Um and I think we've mentioned it on a Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to really like get into it, some more meat and potatoes of it. Uh yeah. Uh but I will uh, I'll hand it off to Sean and see what
3: he thinks. Well, I've always heard of the campaign since it first came out never got a chance to play it and so this is kind of a wish fulfillment happening here and so far i i can see where it earned its kudos as in especially also with the amount of prop material that has been supplied for the game as well is really impressive and it pushes you to want to strive to be a better role player to kind of live up to the quality
0: of the props that you're also seeing.
3: I'll throw it back to Zach.
0: Thank you. And yeah, the intro scenario we played was Edge of Darkness, which was in the 5th edition uh, Call of Cthulhu Keeper rule book. What does everyone think about that adventure, having played through it either once or twice?
3: I liked it. I mean, I think it's a great intro campaign. Because our adventure, because it's got everything in it.
1: it. It it definitely starts to hint into like some of the bigger themes of Call of Cthulhu, like monsters are dangerous. Don't like monsters of Call of Cthulhu are gonna kill you if you get too close to them. God forbid that bear show up and attack you, or you get attacked by the random undead wrecking, and then it starts to play into like. The need to know unusual skills, like for rituals and things like that,
2: and uh, it also gets you to uh, test your con very early, because um, I believe that's that's how we, right, we had to chant. Well, I know I had to chant. That was a con roll, I believe.
0: Yeah, no, there's several people doing the ritual, and one person has to be the watcher. Yes,
2: but the watcher wasn't inside the house when the goddamn bear opened the door. <laughs>
3: The guy playing the p i was outside. There was a watcher in the house. It just wasn't the combat character. <laughs> the combat character was wandering in the yard shooting at zombies.
2: <sighs> but I, I did enjoy that it, like because it's basically one shot, and I appreciate the can you know condensed versions of you know a long-term adventure um, quest, whatever you want to call it. Um, as the one shot, and I think that was a great introduction for the characters to be able to like meet up and then, you know, oh, we're, how did we keep in contact? Because masks happened what a year and a half, two years afterwards.
0: About a year,
1: yeah,
2: about a year. So it's like, okay, how did you know? Did you keep in contact? Because it's the twenties, right?
1: Yep. Yeah. It's okay. Very early twenties.
2: I'm glad that my uh, I, I, I'm remembering more than I thought I did. So yay me! No,
0: you're good. Um, I find that a Darkness, in addition to being a great just intro adventure in total, is great to connect to Masks because of just the loose references to Narlathotep, how some of the bodies are found in terms of reading previous notes and letters and newspaper articles. I think it kind of just makes a, a broader connection.
3: It also shows a very important skill set that's necessary in Call of Cthulhu if you're playing with more than one player, and that is that the team really has to work together. You have to cooperate to be able to
0: survive.
1: Everybody has their role, even if it's being a chaotic mastermind.
0: So getting into some of the backstory is this campaign was written in 1984... During the writer's strike in Hollywood, California, one of the writers over there that used to write for He-Man decided, hey, I'm going to take some time off because there's a strike going on, and I'm just going to happen to write one of the greatest RPG campaigns of all time. I'm not, try- I'm not trying to sugarcoat it, but that's pretty much what happened.
3: Yeah. Larry detilio, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. That is correct. Yeah. And like I was saying off-air... He wrote um, he wrote an article about poisons for AD&D prior to that in Dragon Magazine. And he also wrote an article about magical glyphs and their use and functionality. Both of which were, back in the day, highly respected for AD&D first edition. And, you know, articles to be in Dragon Magazine.
0: So a big part about this campaign is interacting and dealing with Jackson Elias. What does everyone feel about Jackson Elias? He is historically one of the most famous NPCs of all time. There's an entire podcast named after him, The Good Friends of Jackson Elias. So what are everyone's initial thoughts and feelings?
1: He's a a real helpful guide NPC. Um, Just like actually trying to move the players further along, he is there to actually be able to be like, Hey guys, I actually need your help, and you guys are like the only people I can trust right now. We need to um kinda get moving before things go to hell in a handbasket.
2: I have an emotional connection personally with Jackson Elias. I don't know why, um, but I do have an emotional connection, and I'll be very sad if something bad happens to him. Devastated, really, is the better word.
1: Oh man. <laughs>
3: Jackson supplies a good anchor to hold a group of individuals in the game that may not have a reason to connect to connect to each other.
2: Yeah, I like that too. Is like it can be like just random people from you know just different backgrounds that can uh, can get together because of him, or depending on the backstory. But he like keeps. Yeah, he keeps the group together. So, again, emotional attachment. He wants me around.
0: So for the intro of Masks of Narlathotep, the party is invited to Peru. In fact, Lima, the capital of Peru. They're invited to investigate a mysterious pyramid by Augustus Larkin. And there's a guy, a mysterious figure known as Luis Mendoza. And then a man named Jesse Helms, which might be your friendly neighborhood, Jackson Elias. What did you guys feel about the initial opening and hanging out in the bar Cardano, which is a real bar, which you guys can go to now, like in real life? I had a good time hanging out in the bar.
3: (laughs) Uh, Sounds like we need to go to Peru. Knowing that it's a real bar adds to the vermissitude of the adventure, you know, in the sense of that That's something that you can almost, like, look up online, probably, and see pictures of the bar.
0: I know some keepers will even, when they change countries, they will make you, like, a traditional dish of the country you're entering. So they would, you know, make a traditional Peruvian drisk with pisco pures, And when you go to New York City, you know, a traditional northern, like, New england dish.
2: Not street meat?
0: random street meat it's rats but we tell you it's something else with our crazy spanish language well i mean i think you specifically mentioned
1: that like peru's actually doing really well at this point in time like they're experiencing a similar boon to what america is
0: no they're in full like 20s 20s they're like they're rocking high so for an additional bonus in this campaign we're running with the hp lovecraft historical society's custom gamer prop set for this campaign. What is everyone feeling about the passports and initial handouts? Passports are very cool.
1: Yeah, I I really enjoyed filling mine out for my character and trying to sign his name. Um, Again, it was kind of weird, considering in terms of like how his name was signed, it still looks a lot like mine. (laughs) Uh But, uh, I feel bad that Brian missed out on getting to fill out his passport. I thought that
0: was a really good, you know, couple of minutes to get us into the game. Well, missed out so far. It's not like it went away. True. Sure.
2: I'll, I'll get to do it. Unfortunately, um, John Montana has a lot of letters that are not in my name, so um, I'm excited to uh, to make it make a signature for it.
0: Are you arguing that you are excited to not falsify a passport? Um,
1: uh, maybe. <laughs> are Are you saying that John Montana doesn't have a right pass doesn't have a correct passport?
2: Oh, what would? Oh man, now now you're like putting things in my brain.
1: Like I can't wait for you to get detained.
2: <laughs> how scuzzy is John Montana, though? Like that's the question. Is he a grave robber or is he? A professor.
0: Like very, very scuzzy. The scuzziest scuzz that ever scuzzed. <sighs>
2: can I, can I can I pay more money and get enough? can I have dual passports? Can I spend more money on a second? Maybe.
0: Did, did you work with the British Museum? Then it's okay.
2: Um I could do it, yeah.
1: But all the relics we found belong in a museum. <laughs> I think it would
3: be great if you had like five or six different passports. <laughs> one for every country we go to you know
0: i'm not buying him that many passports well he can buy them. no no
3: i will buy them. like i i can do that
2: that's that's the least i can do if i can like have multiple personalities on my like your names i think that would be very funny john montana
3: john idaho john
1: (laughs) i would love it if you came in with like like a crappy leather briefcase from like a goodwill or something and like it was full of the passports and like a bunch of fake money printed from those countries of the time. I like it. That would Guess be the
0: best. Guess we're going full
2: scus. I was I was trying to be a little less because I've been i I've been very sleazy my last few characters. I was trying to be a little less sleazy, but I don't think that's gonna happen. I think we're gonna we're just we're gonna we're gonna let the shadow play that game.
0: I'm I'm it. gonna not comment on Bob Dole that, that, that you didn't play him sleazy because I'm not sure.
2: I didn't get a chance to play Bob Dole. Bob Dole got knocked out like within five minutes of playing. So, like, oh, get in the I bank. Get a chance. Bob Dole failed a bunch of roles. That's what I can tell you.
3: <laughs> no, I mean, think about it Indiana Jones was wanted in multiple countries. Yeah. Because they considered archaeology to be nut, as you said grave robbing and so, so at that time period that wasn't uncommon
2: and and in in realism like in today's words yes i would say a lot of that is probably grave robbing you know you're taking culture out of that country's sir sir, sir country. you're
0: you're aggressively acquiring
2: as, I guess it depends on how many statues I sold that didn't have feet. That's really what matters.
3: That belongs in a museum. <laughs> you belong in a museum.
0: <laughs> no, no, it's so do you, but yes.
2: Maybe the museum is the bizarre.
0: What is everyone's feeling of your illustrious benefactor Augustus Larkin?
1: I don't know. I got a cool tattoo from him.
0: <laughs> I mean, he definitely like sweated a lot and didn't smell good over okay. all the all the colonies wearing.
3: Well, I I ended up wearing his mask.
0: <laughs> his gold-plated mask. Well, actually, that was under Mendoza's bed. Yeah, it was. So, might, might have not been Larkin's mask.
1: The discovery of his little soldiers was a uh, a little bit different. But you know, I I appreciate the the approachness to realism considering the time period.
0: You mean the fact that he was on heroin? Oh yeah,
1: tons of it.
2: It's not illegal at that point, right?
0: It is not. It is perfectly legal in Peru and America.
2: Yeah, I mean, as it is what it is. I believe they would probably give that to you for headaches and shit. Like, but...
0: I mean, he was just doing like a lot of it.
2: Eh, you know. No, like,
0: know. like a lot, like a lot, a lot.
3: Okay. So, cocaine is in coke at this time. Okay. <laughs> True. So, what happens to a ghoul when they do heroin?
0: A ghoul? That's a little different.
1: Oh, he wasn't a ghoul?
2: <laughs> no, he just smells really bad. He doesn't eat raw well,
1: meat. Well, he was definitely dead the whole time.
0: <laughs> no, he, he was not dead the whole time. I'm going to get into that shortly. So, do you guys want spoilers or not spoilers? You are players.
2: I think that is an okay spoiler, because I assume he's a ghoul.
0: So, Larkin was being uh, rode by Narlathotep whenever he was, like, basically not conscious. And it was, like, rotting him from the inside out. Mm, That's also why when you attempted to hypnotize him, it didn't work, R.C. Narlathotep's like... Oh, it's an opposed power roll? RC, make your puny human roll versus my 450. Oh, Yo, dog.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I found a new rod.
3: <laughs> oh, man.
1: <laughs> At least I wasn't fully possessed.
2: <laughs> RC, as a, as somebody who's played a hypnotist, what is your method of hypnotism?
1: Oh, it's definitely the pocket watch or subliminal, hand, subliminal messaging.
2: Okay, yeah, that's a good one.
0: In addition to Larkin, we also had Luis Mendoza, which one of our characters got to see full-on leech face from him.
3: <laughs> well, we saw oh. a few leech faces in
0: that campaign, that adventure. <laughs> True, but he was the initial leech face. True. And for Brian, he was a carouser, fat-sucking vampire. From the, <laughs> from the initial uh, Spanish invasion of Peru, if we want to go with that term. Conquistor Expedition?
2: Very interesting. I feel like somebody would make a very good living as one of those in today's society.
0: No, oh, you mean, hey, it's not LIFO.
1: Hey!
0: Hey!
1: That's a natural version.
2: <laughs> right? Exactly.
3: Chunky, greasy, you know, jello through a straw.
2: <laughs> Do you think he would hang around like... Uh,
0: crematoriums and just wait for the uh, liquid? Uh, Oh, no, no. They they like live people.
1: Okay. Okay. It's more like hanging around the nursing homes.
0: So, in the initial dinner conversation and meal where you're serving a, a sweet and sour fish dish, local to the Peruvian area, Larkin shows you all artifacts. He's like, ooh, I found this in a pyramid. Go check it out. And I believe... Sean, you passed or someone else passed or maybe it was Brian passing because R.C. rolled for him that, hey, these artifacts are cool but they're from different centuries, one from the 7th and one from the 3rd.
3: It was Brian's character that determined that
2: the yes, arc
1: roll. Yeah,
2: yeah, that would be my character that determined that, Yay, hooray me!
0: Yeah? I don't know what I convinced <laughs> these for, but... Yep. So he basically said, hey, they're from the same area. Like That's really weird that they're you know, hundreds and hundreds of years apart.
1: Yeah, at least 400 years old in difference.
3: Yeah, I think one was from, like, the 6th century and one was from, like, the 15th century.
0: No, it was, like, 3rd and 7th. But that's still, like, big enough to be like, uh, uh maybe <laughs> those two cultures never interacted.
3: Yeah, I guarantee those two cultures never interacted. I mean, there is a chance because, I mean, we do know that like the mayans still and the aztecs still interacted with olmec monuments centuries after the olmecs were gone
0: i believe this was uh, what a texlucan
3: i mean but if
2: we if we look at like spanish conquistadors that like came over I'll, the first ones that came over said that there was vast very massive gigantic larger than europe cities in south america and you know, when they, they left or died and then new people came over and it was not that way at all. So, I, I, I mean... I mean, a couple hundred years, I guess, right after? Yeah, maybe. But I know there's like a very large... There's
0: intuitively
2: a very large gap where massive cities and then everybody died.
0: So... After the initial meal, everyone basically finds out through Jackson Elias and some probing questions that the party has been uh, basically given hotel rooms in a different hotel than Larkin, even though his hotel isn't full. Mm.
3: Suspicious. That knowledge was courtesy RC. He's investigating. Thanks, RC.
1: Yeah, I mean, at least as far as my character was concerned, there wasn't really a whole lot I could actually investigate other than that because it wasn't my area of expertise. So I was like, "Good, I'll just waddle on over there and just uh, play it cool and see if I can't get a room there just to scope it out."
0: Yeah, following that, everyone did their shopping expedition, which is fine. Like you're all going on, like you know, safari (laughs) tomb tomb raiding. You know, you got to get stuff. That's fine. That's expected. Larkin's like, "Hey, just give me your receipts. I'll pay for it, buddies." And then you know, a couple of people go to the museum. Someone gets you know, some free from some free lipo. <laughs> people go shopping. People like interrupt Larkin and his um, fun Dark time, her- fun time heroin adventure. The tickling of dear relatives.
2: <laughs> Generally, you don't think of long term addiction for heroin, right? It's, like, short-term. But in the 30s, 20s, probably long-term.
0: I mean, the wounds and blood on his wrist was black.
3: Oh. I mean, look at William S. Burroughs. I mean, I think he used it almost his entire adult life.
0: Also, not only that, like, Brian, you have the fact that the, that the man put on, like, an entire bottle of cologne and still smelled bad. And I don't mean, like, smelled bad because of too much cologne. Like he smelled bad.
2: Mm, like, yeah, like,
0: ro- like rotted fish bad.
3: Sad to say, it's sort of like the smell that you do smell around uh, dying. terminal people. So. That doesn't smell like
1: fish. <laughs> it does smell pretty awful, though.
3: I mean, yes,
2: definitely awful. I agree with
1: that. So it he's is. not a people, though, right? He doesn't
2: smell like fish.
1: No, he definitely struggled through part of the adventure. Whenever we actually started to make our way back to the uh, to the the pyramid, he was uh, not doing so hot.
0: Yeah, Brian basically goes into not Brian. Um, RC goes into interrogate and hypnotize him. Then he falls under the mental suggestion spell from Arkin and his riding host, Narlothotep. And the party basically escrows from the city and goes to. Puno, which is right outside Lake Titicaca. Please Before laugh and make, yeah, please laugh and make all your jokes about Lake Titicaca
2: What's what's funny about Titicaca?
0: Nothing, Brian. Nothing.
3: Okay. How lowbrow do you want to go?
0: <laughs> Hopefully not very.
3: <laughs> Little historical fact. Sir Francis Drake's first Spanish ship he captured was the Cacafuego. Oh.
0: I guess he always always had it in his mind. Let's name this lake. What? Titicaca. From there, you investigate Puno, uh, Jackson Elias, as um, Jesse Helms is looking for uh, his uh, partner in crime, his contact, Mira. And the party, therefore, goes out to Lake Titicaca and visits some of the man-made islands that exist on the lake, and there are real things. Islands set on reeds. And uh,
1: I remark it was a it was a fun time for everybody.
0: Oh yeah, it was presented as jerky. Mira thought it was a good joke.
1: Oh, oh, oh,
3: oh. <laughs> That's where the mother daughter team of vampires tried to get us off it. Of.
0: The Karasiri, they snuck in on boats and tried to ta- attack Larkin, and then the locals on the island shot them. And Which is interesting.
1: It's interesting that they attacked Larkin, considering.
0: All that was going on. I mean, attack, attack, attack try to acquire or save.
2: Now, um, cue this to ignorance uh, as far as Call Cthulhu, but um, killing a vampire in Call of Cthulhu is it the same as like? Is it like normal rules like silver bullet, wooden stake, like?
0: So these are Karasiri. They're a little different than traditional Western vampires. Okay. So generally, uh, decapitation is a safe bet. They have a internal um, maggot that kind of controls their body. So you really want to destroy most of the body. In terms of yeah. overall rules, Call of Cthulhu gives actually thick, expanded rules on like making your vampire, like if it's an old or traditional vampire, really hard to kill. We're talking like old school, even like Salem's Lot, where like, no, you got to cut off the head, fill it with garlic, put the head in upside down, and then throw it in the river, and then the vampire will die.
2: Okay. Well, I mean, it, that that makes sense. It's a um, it's an evolved sapien, you know, like
3: it's not a human. So, okay, that's cool. I, I dig that.
0: Also, the folklore.
3: Well, that uh, I think in one of the Call of Cthulhu adventures they use the traditional zombie, where you have to sew its mouth shut with um, a specific type of thread after you fill it with kosher sea salt. Oh.
0: I can believe that like, Call of Cthulhu is probably the most folklore game around.
3: That was also on an episode of the um, old TV show um, Cole Chack, The Night Stalker, which, if you haven't watched it, is probably one of the best, closest to playing Call of Cthulhu TV shows out there. came out in the early 70s. Dabney Coleman, I think, is in it.
0: Yeah, the closest modern equivalent is um, Supernatural, but that's even super loose there, too. That's closer to, like, Hunter the Reckoning. Yeah. Either way, the party eventually ventures forth on Packed Mules and gets to uh, Hidden Ziggurat with a crack in the top and they see these Kara series vomited into. And some of our new party elected to put dynamite in the crack. It exploded. Releasing a giant maggot god. How does everyone feel about that? He burned me with acid. Just you? Well,
3: everybody. (laughs) There you go, Think about yourself again.
1: Well, I mean, we were all pretty singed
0: by the end of it.
3: <laughs> you were the one mm-hmm. trying
1: to convince us all to go down in
3: the pit with full of corpses.
0: <laughs> I mean, no, it wasn't just him. Larkin's like, yo, it's a good idea. And RC's like, yo, dog. This idea Markin's is dope. Right.
2: <laughs> Did anybody go into the pit?
0: I mean, no. RC oh, no. was physically in the pit itself, but he was moving bodies. Ah.
3: Trying to get in the tunnel.
2: Yeah. Oh, I got it.
0: I want to appreciate that Sean and RC both failed their sanity check scene in Elder God, the giant maggot god, and they took out of a D20 a mighty one sanity loss.
1: We are like, eh.
3: <laughs> that's better than the last campaign where I took
1: 95.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's more, re- more realistic.
1: Granted, in terms of the forms of elder gods, it wasn't the most disturbing. It was still weird, but it wasn't the most disturbing thing you could nope. have run into.
0: Pretty much, mainly gross, and like you guys threw a lot of dynamite at it, at it and exploded.
1: Speaking of, we're gonna have to stock up whenever we start walking around in New York.
0: <laughs> what what ra- random dynamite in New York City? You know what do I what do I need? I need some like you know. Oh, 16 crates of TNT sounds good.
2: It's just, you know, that one. one, y'all killed an elder god. Like, that's insanity.
0: I mean, a, a form of an elder god.
2: I, okay, you're right. It, choose the form. I got it. Uh, but still.
0: Okay, Brian, you, you egg them on, and we'll see what happens <laughs>
2: Well, the the Ghostbusters didn't take on, you know, the Marshmallow Man until, like, I don't know, day. Whatever it was, not day
0: one.
1: If we chose. We did not choose the form of this destructor, but we we did destroy the destructor. That's a good time.
0: Who luckily is an idiot and has no spells as as given the rules.
3: If he had had spells, it would have been a whole whole different encounter. Yeah.
0: Other than hey, spew acid. It's great and bite. Good no. God mainly just pewing.
3: Yeah, this was just kind of a big monster.
0: Yeah, no, this was definitely like, hey, uh this is baby time. Like you can fight the thing and it's it's dangerous, but it's not super dangerous. Like the kitty gloves are on. Our poor PO shooting it with his pistol.
1: Bang bang bang.
0: Oh, How giant maggot monster. Pew.
3: Sometimes you just have to do things to satisfy, you know, an internal need to participate.
1: Pew pew pew. I don't know. Didn't we check a shotgun at the library and she definitely blasted a big hole in it?
0: <laughs> I mean, she was ha- she was happy to be offered a weapon other than staring at it.
1: Well,
3: I think you and I, RC, were shooting with our little 32 revolvers that don't even do a D10 damage. <laughs> bang bang. This- I was I'm making
0: ready. use of that throw skill. To be just, fair, lo- uh, Jackson Elias also fired with his forty-five. Pew pew pew. So pew. many guns. <laughs> and then, yeah, everyone killed an elder god and be like, "Hey guys, let's leave before we have to explain
3: the giant whatever, wagon.
0: whatever this is." All the fat too probably smelled like super great.
3: Well, all the fat in. All the bodies in the pit. Everybody that's probably missing in a like hundred mile radius is probably in that pit.
0: (laughs) And all their fat like in the pyramid now exposed to like the elements. The real bang.
1: I'd imagine it smelled like a week old pot roast.
0: Or worse.
3: Probably worse.
0: And then the campaign mysteriously jumps to the Scary year of 1925.
1: What what happened, everybody, for the last four years?
0: That's for the players to determine. But Jackson Elias was nice enough to send everyone a telegram. Hey, meet me in New York, and we're going to talk about the missing Carlisle Expedition. Uh, I think well, we got some newspapers, too. Uh, several newspaper articles, even more than one. It was like eight or nine. R.C.
3: wrote a small, you know, novel there in the
0: notebook.
3: That's did my job. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Does anyone want to give a recap for Brian?
3: Honestly, I'm going to need to recap because I don't remember everything about the Carlisle expedition. Except so that... Go ahead.
1: Uh, I was going to say, you'll have to excuse me because I don't remember exact dates or anything. Um, But they announced that the the expedition's going to happen. It's backed by a museum or a college in Britain. There's a bunch of people that are listed that are all going on the expedition. There's
0: Edward Gavigan of a famous Egypt-focused society. uh,
1: Carlisle's
0: Squeeze and, Her patient master the photographer and uh, what do they call it? Um, just photographer. She was something else. Like uh factotum, general factotum. Um, and
1: then there was, uh, Brian's favorite NPC of all time,
2: Jack Brady. I do like me some Jack Brady,
1: and I think there was one other person listed, but I could be wrong.
0: Doctor Houston. Roger Carlyle's uh, Freudian psychologist. Oh yeah. And
1: they went to Egypt. They started digging around. They were looking they thought they had found um relics of ancient Samaria, if I'm not mistaken.
3: No, the black, in Egypt. No, the Black Pharaoh, I think, is what
1: they were looking for. No, it... That wasn't what was listed in the newspaper.
0: No, the article said something about, like, maybe they found, like, the Temple of Solomon later in deeper Africa, but they just found general, like, Egyptian goods in Cairo.
1: Yep, that's what I was thinking of. Carlisle was out there digging with them, and he suffered from a heat stroke while they were in Egypt.
0: Because he's a white guy. The Egyptians were like,
1: Maybe people shouldn't be down here during the summer because it's hot. Um, they hung out at some wealthy person's estate in Egypt. Again, can't remember the name. Um, and then they proceeded deeper into Africa.
0: Well, then,
3: they went to, Bari to get their R and R. I do remember that much.
0: Yep, they took a, like a heat break and at, at like a hunting lodge, and then they. Went into Nairobi in, in the General Woods and died.
1: Well, they, they didn't know they were dead for several months. Uh, so after the, the everybody lost contact with the expedition, um, Carlisle's sister, after like three months, was like, screw it, I'm going to go get my brother. I'm starting the second expedition. And so she heads off to Egypt to go and find him. Uh, and the authorities find supposedly the remains of the party. And uh before she arrives. And they're putting a justice, because of course they are.
0: Yep, they put to justice it, random tribesmen. So random black people.
1: And then I think that's where it leaves
0: off. I don't think it says anything else about what happens with her or anything like that. No, that's pretty much what the newspaper has.
3: Sadly that's appropriate justice for that time period.
0: 1924. Uh, no, no, sorry, 1920, not even 1925,
3: 1920.
0: Yep. And then Jackson Elias is like, hey, I'm looking into this. Join me because there's some cool shit going down. Might be more vampires. Or Might, death be, sp- cult. might be spooky.
3: Well, you know, I got a little bit off the hips in Peru you now, so if I can just get a little, you know, tummy tuck in Africa. <laughs>
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So what are every what is everyone feeling moving forward towards? Hey, it's nineteen twenty five. Hey, we got this cool expedition. We're going to be in New York. What's everyone feeling?
1: I'm it's ready me- to see where it plays out.
3: I mean, we're getting closer and closer to, in my mind, one of the key factors, which is nineteen
1: twenty nine. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. We got to keep up with the days now. Keep-
3: because 29 is when the depression hit. That's when the stock market
0: crashed. There is a more important thing that happens near the end of 1925, but you're not wrong.
3: Oh, let's see. 25.
0: And R.C.'s not, RC's not wrong. The the calendar matters for this campaign.
3: That's something to consider. You know the, how they have those online universal calendars that, you know, print out
0: Yep, you can find out, like, what the moon's doing at certain times of the actual month. Mm -hmm. It's not like cults care about that or nothing. Mm
3: -hmm. But print out also, like, for the months that we're playing in, and print out, like, a regular calendar sheet. That way we can even just write notes of what happened each day
0: on it. You know, there's, there's an included calendar of every day on the back of the binder I have for everybody. It's not very big, but it shows, like, what the actual, like, in 1925, the day is blank of the week. So, in terms of, like, production, Chaosium put in, like, great quality. You get both books counting more than 666 pages. And then you have, like, 960 pages of handouts and a free screen. And then with the handout pack, you get, like, 136 recreations of the handout. So, they even give you more including audio recreations.
2: The only thing I can remember that happens in 1925 is the TV. So I'm probably wrong with that, but that's the only thing I think of in
0: 1925. 1925, tip starts (laughs)
2: TiVo. Exactly. Um, Not that I want to change the subject, but I do have a question. Sean, did you wear your fez? Yes. RC didn't you get a hat?
1: I I wore the top hat.
0: You wore the top hat?
1: Mhm. We got to find you a fedora. Uh,
0: Brian um, Brian I Brian I have a licensed Indiana Jones hat, a fedora.
2: Okay. I I want to see that. I might have one myself, but if yours is better, I will wear yours instead.
0: I mean, mine's officially licensed. Ooh, very good. Then it's probably better than mine
2: because mine was Mine was under $20. No,
0: mine says, mine says, mine says Indiana Jones on the side. Oh, shit.
2: Well, then I probably have to wear that one instead. But ba, I will ba, ba, wear ba. It.
3: Ba, 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 ba.
0: It's okay, Brian. There will always be snakes and too many of them.
3: What was the Bruce Campbell show where he had a name like Indiana Jones? Uh,
0: it's 90s TV show? Yeah, Briscoe something. God, it has a really good, uh, like, the intro video to the show is really good. I'm trying to remember what it is. Bruce Campbell. The man, the myth, the legend. Not Xena. Jack of Briscoe. all trades. Jack of all trades is the one that had the really cool intro.
3: Briscoe, the adventures of Briscoe County, Jr. There we go. It was a Western. Uh, 1993. Only He only did one season of it.
1: There's a lot of weird things that happened in 1925.
3: But he played a Harvard-educated lawyer who decided he doesn't like practicing law and changed his career to a bounty hunter.
1: Yes.
0: Sounds like a great idea.
3: Sounds yep. like a excellent character to me.
0: <laughs> so, R.C., the date you're looking for is January 14th, 1926. Oh, that one.
1: Because <laughs> I see what happens in, um, in December of 1995, and I had a
3: feeling it, was, it comes very
1: a, shortly afterwards. <laughs> is that the
3: discovery of Pluto?
0: No. Does anyone have anything else to say for Masks of Narlathotep, at least the intro Peru chapter?
2: I will. Uh, I will say that I'm excited. I won't say I'm anticipating anything, because I'm here to participate, not anticipate.
3: Hell yeah! <laughs> there we go. That's a motivational talker right there.
2: No, that is a summer camp counselor answering somebody <laughs> who asks, "What's going to happen next?"
0: Wait, hey, 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 let me give my C plus answer. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it just stuck with
0: me. I can't help it.
3: Well, you 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 won because he let you. <laughs>
0: Well, I want to thank everyone for joining us, and I want to thank Sean for joining for his first episode. And I hope everyone has a great evening, and will join us when we cover Temple of Elemental Evil in the future. Hopefully.
3: Thank you. and Have a great evening. You too. Bye bye. Bye. Adios.